Romans 13. As you're getting there, let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word and to hear from you. Lord, we know that you're the one who's who. Um, you're the one who has not only inspired and given your word, but you've preserved it. You've made it available to us in our own language. Lord, you've done that so that you can encourage us, so that you can transform us, so that you can help us to know more about you. So Lord, I ask that you do that this morning. Speak to us. Speak, use me, Lord, for as much as you can. Lord, you're able to speak to to everyone here and online, even without me. So, um, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and to uh, use this time to change us and to let us become more and more like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, um, kind of as, as Steve was, was mentioning, um, there's a lot of things going on in our world right now whether that is uh, the ongoing um, pandemic, the uh, transition of power in the government, the um, unrest with the transition of power, the, uh, you know, even if you follow the news at all, people are saying, okay, stay away from the capital cities because there's, there could be different things going on in the capital cities. And I want to come today and say, look, let's be encouraged. Um, you know, we oftentimes can look at the world around us and we can have uh, various reactions. We can be in fear. We can be in doubt. We can be confused. We can be upset and angry or um, just mildly frustrated. Um, I think I felt a little bit of all of those in the last, uh, you know, at least several months, especially, you know, with, you know, we, we thought the pandemic was going to be two, three, four weeks maybe and then all of a sudden it's lasting into almost a year and you're going... Come on, can we please get over this? And, you know, we can all have these uh, various thoughts and reactions. And I want us to rather be encouraged. And as I've said before, I believe this is a year of preparation. It's a year of preparation for us, but it's, it's not in a vacuum. And God didn't... God works all this together. He did, he wasn't surprised at everything going on in the world in the world around us when he put us all together, right? So Amen. we can we can choose to continue on in the different feelings and emotions, or we can say, you know what, God is going to use all this and He's going to prepare us to impact the world around us. And so with that. You know, I believe in uh, Romans 13. Not only does it give us a way to look at government, but there's there's a little bit more in there that I want us. What I want to do is to further prepare us to interact with the world around us. Just as Steve was was saying this morning, you know, um, with with love your neighbor and 
and uh, do good and, and bless those who persecute you. And the, the thing today is be like Jesus, okay? Let, let's, let's do that. But let's see how Paul wants us to interact. Let me read through this and then I'm going to uh, kind of go uh, verse by verse and, and uh, unpack it a little bit. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. But rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For as a minister of God um, to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of you, uh, for because of this, you also pay taxes. The rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in a day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Let me give just a little bit of background here. Now, boy, this, so this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. And when he's writing this, it's uh, more than likely early on in uh, Nero's reign. Okay, Nero was one of the Roman emperors um, who ends up being one of the worst persecutors of Christians in the history of the world. He is an awful tyrant of a ruler. Um, we were, I was just actually reading with... Uh, uh, our youngest, uh, um, the, in one of her history lessons, it has uh, a, a excerpt from Tacitus, who is describing Nero and his persecution of the Christians, and that he would wrap them in rags and, and set them on fire, and that he would um, he would uh, have them in the arena and have them uh, chased by wild animals and, and devoured that way, and um, it, he got his persecution of the Christians got so great that the people in Rome who were used to a lot of this anyway, they began to feel sorry for the Christians because Nero was so incredibly a horror 
to them. And of course, uh, you remember Nero, uh, Rome burned and he blamed it on the Christians. So Nero was an awful, awful, awful ruler. But when this was written, it actually was, it was early on in Nero's reign. So Nero, when he came into power, he actually, he actually kind of brought a lot of peace. He, um, yeah, I think a lot of it was lip service, but he said, we're going to uh, put away the sword. And so there was actually a, t- a bit of a time of peace. Um, so Paul is writing this to the Roman Christians um, in a sort of time of peace under Nero. Now having said that, Rome wasn't, um, it was never exactly peaceful to Christians. There were times that it was more peaceful than others, but all you have to do is look to Jesus, who was killed by a Roman governor, to realize that Rome never was really gracious with the Christians. Um, Christians for uh, quite a while were seen as a sect of the Jews. Um, the Jews had uh, been in league with the Romans and had made some deals. For example, they said, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll sacrifice and um, have prayers for the emperor. And, the, and the, they said, okay, you can do that and, and we'll, we'll not persecute you, persecute you for it. And we'll, you know, as long as you give us tribute and let us, let us rule you, then you can have your own religion. And so the, the Christians... Um, for quite a while had a little bit of a, um, a, a peace or a little bit, they came under the, the, the somewhat peace that the, the Jews had with Rome. But uh, it was never, it was never exactly a, um, Rome was never very favorable to the Christians. They were only halfway favorable to the Jews. So when Paul writes this, it was kind of a peaceful time but at the same time, uh, he says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God. Now, this is actually a, uh, if you will, it's kind of a backsided knock on the Roman emperors. I'll show you why. Because they believed they had their authority from the gods. That uh, you know, Saturn, Jupiter, they okay. We we derive our authority because of these fake Roman gods. So what Paul is doing is is coming back around and saying, yes, uh, you're saying that you derive your authority from God. There is no government that has not been established and derives its authority from the God, the one and only God is the one who establishes government. And because of that, Paul says, therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. They who have opposed will receive condemnation. For ruler is not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Um, And it's really amazing here that Paul calls Rome a minister of God. You consider this, okay? The one who killed your Savior and Lord. They are a minister of God. Talk about a, you know, a, a cognitive dissonance. You know, it's what, what, you know, what, what is this? They're a minister of God, and they have a sword for a reason. 
They're there to keep the peace. They're there to provide the laws and the structure. And Paul is saying, you all better do good because they're a minister of God and to oppose them, really you're opposing God. Look at verse 6. This is, this is really fascinating. For because of this also, pay taxes. <laughs> For rulers, look at look, look here. For rulers are servants of God. Devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes do, custom to whom custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The IRS is set up by God. That's what this says. And everybody's going, oh, Lord, he didn't just go there. Oh, man. Let me take it one step further. Okay? This is... Now, in, the, in this time, um, people had to pay tribute. And during the Roman system... Uh, if you were not a Roman citizen, or if you were expelled, you had to pay tribute to Rome. And so this, was, this is part of the honor thing that it's talking about, honor and tribute. That if you were not Roman, but let's say you, and a lot of times um, they expelled Christians from Rome. At the, at, so so um, if you had been expelled, if you were not a citizen, or if you like, lived in Spain, there was a you know, Roman province, um, you had to pay tribute, you had to pay tax. Now, how they would get this tax is um, tax collectors would um, they would buy the opportunity to collect the taxes. So they would, let's say it's it's Willimantic, okay, and they, they would say, hmm, I know there's a certain number of people in Willimantic, and the government um, is charging a uh, hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. Um, for the ability to go collect taxes in Willimantic. So I say, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to buy that from the government, I'm going to pay the $100,000, and then I'm going to go collect all the taxes, but you know how I get paid? Commission. If I can collect more than the fair share, I get to keep it. So you want to talk about a, a, a corrupt way to collect taxes? We're talking the ultimate of corruption. You want to know why tax collectors were shunned? Why the Roman tax system that everybody hated? Why tax collectors were absolutely the, you know, they were looked on as scum? It's because they, they, they gleaned from everything. They, they overcharged and they, they tried to get, they, po- they could pocket, they could basically legally pocket more. And here you have Paul saying, these are ministers of God. So you better pay whatever taxes you owe. Pay what's due. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. This is verse 8, verse 9. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. For there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. I'm not going to fully unpack the owe nothing to anyone um, because there are, there are some verses that give legitimacy to um, taking out loans um, from Jesus and from the Old Testament. Um, but here's what Paul um, wants to make sure is make sure you can pay for what you owe. If at all possible, don't owe anybody anything. Okay, I, our society today um, is one that is is based on debt. Yeah. Um, we've we uh, we've been um, denied a loan because we don't have a, we don't have enough debt before. Yeah. We we don't have any credit cards. Haven't had any credit cards in years, and um, you know they they've looked and said you've got a good credit history, good credit score, but you, you don't have enough debt. <laughs> so okay, whatever, you know. So. I know our I know in where we are, where we live, and I know that um, how our system is set up. And so I think with this verse, you can't make a hard and rigid. This is how you have to. But what the implication is is, don't get in major debt. Mm-hmm. Okay. But more than anything, he goes on further to say, "Oh, nothing but love." You have a debt of love to one another that can never be paid out. Let the, let the debt that you have of love to one another be so great that you are, you're, you're constantly paying out love, constantly paying out love to your neighbor. And this is how Paul wants us to interact. Because what, what he's saying, it's not... Um, if you look at, at the end of verse 10, he, he quotes... In 9 and 10, he quotes different aspects of the, the Ten Commandments. He quotes several of the Ten Commandments, and then, this, and then says, love, uh, love your neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of law. And he doesn't say actually the law. He's not talking about... It's to, it says law. If you want to fulfill law, if you want to do well in society, um, because we know that Paul was the Ten Commandments anyway... You know, we have fulfilled them because we are in Christ. We don't have to work to fulfill the law. Jesus did that for us. Not that we shouldn't do what's right. We should do what's right. But for Paul, it's not about us fulfilling the law to be good. But what he is saying is that if you want to be a good member of society, if you want to do well, if you want to follow the laws sent down by the state, love your neighbor. If you're constantly loving, if you constantly have that debt of love, then you're going to do well. You're going to do right. You're not going to commit these, um, these different sins. Verse 11, do this, knowing the time that is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than we be- when we believed. The night's almost gone and the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing, drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity, and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. It's interesting, the night is almost gone and the day is near. 
Awaken. The hour for you to awaken from sleep, for salvation is near. You know, as I was saying, Paul gave this at a time that it was about to get really, really, really dark for the Christians. The Christians were about to be under the great, one of the greatest persecutions that the world has ever seen of Christians. And yet Paul says, the time has come to awaken. The light's getting bent more. The darkness is shrinking. Let's go. I look at the world around us right now and I think, well, is it going to get darker? And it could. It really could. When you look at the, the stuff that's going on in the government, if you look at everything else that's going on in the world, you can look at it and you say, boy, this could get a lot worse. But what did Paul say? They were just about to face the wrath of Nero. They were about to, to face martyrdom. They were about to face death. Paul is going to get um, beheaded, more than likely, by Nero. Piro, uh, Peter. Peter is going to get crucified upside down by Nero. He's about ready to go and to destroy Jerusalem. The, the he's about ready to persecute Christians from one end of the empire to the other and try to make sure that he absolutely destroys the Christian faith. And Paul says, you know what? It's getting lighter. Salvation is closer than it's ever been. So as we look out around us, let's have the same outlook. Could it get worse? Yeah. Absolutely. It's getting lighter. Why? Because the more we dive in to the Lord, the brighter our light is and the more it dispels the darkness. Could it get really dark? Yeah. I know, I believe it was Tertullian, one of the church fathers, that said, the, uh, the blood of the saints is the seed of the church. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. But you know that the more they killed the Christians, the faster it grew. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 14. And make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Now let me um, give you a little bit of, of uh, biblical interpretation things. One thing that you always need to do when you see a verse is say, why is that there? Why is it there? When you see a therefore, you ask. You always ask, what is that therefore, therefore? Yeah. Okay? Why is this here? I've been going through this, and, and I've, I've tried to just kind of lay out some of these things. Most of the commentators, when you look at this, uh, they, they get through the verse, uh, what, six verses there? Seven verses? And then they kind of start tossing. They say, well, you know, these go together, but it's almost like Paul's making these little bitty statements. They're, they're kind of, they're not... Uh, 
they don't go with each other. And he's just tossing out good things to say, right? Oh, nothing that, you know, do well with this, love each other. And, and Paul does that a lot of times right at the end of his letter. He'll, he'll say things like that. I don't believe that's what's happening here. I believe that this is a, a group that, that, that Paul has put together, the Lord ultimately has put this together. And it's summed up with this statement, put on the Lord Jesus. Paul says this one, one other place in Galatians chapter 3, and it says, uh, when you look at Galatians 3, it says, when, when you're baptized, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says, um, there's, no, there's no male, there's no female, there's no slave, there's no Greek, there's no Jew. If you are Abraham's offspring, uh, you're, you're his seed according to promise. So when you put on the Lord Jesus, what you're, what you're doing is you're, be, you're saying, I am part of Him. I am Abraham's seed. Heir, according to promise. Heir of what? Romans uh, says that Abraham is the heir of the world. If you, are, if you are Abraham's seed, if you are in Jesus, you are heir of the world. Now, wait a second. But why would this go with this group? What would this have to do with government? What would this have to do with living a good life and being able to get along with, with uh, the, the laws and the, and the, the things of the land and, and to get along with people in government? Because of verse 1. All government is derived from God. And if we are in Jesus, it gives us a seat above. But what we must do is to act like Jesus did when he was on the earth. In order for us to impact the world the way that Jesus did, we need to act like he did when he was on the earth. Let me show you. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. When Jesus was before Pilate, and Pilate says to Jesus, Hey, do you know, not know I have the authority to either free you or to crucify you? What did Jesus say to him? You wouldn't have any of this authority if it wasn't given to you by God. Did Jesus recognize that verse? Absolutely. Was he subject? Absolutely. For this reason, you also pay taxes. For they are servants of God, devoting themselves to, to this very thing, rendered all to... Render to all what is due them. Tax to taxes due, custom due, custom is due, fear to fear. What did Jesus do? They handed him a coin. Well, his inscriptions on this. Caesar's. Give to Caesar what Caesar's. Give to God's what God's. Remember when, when Peter asked him about tax. And uh, Jesus uh, gives him a, a little teaching and then says, Peter. Go to, go to the water, 
throw your line in, first fish that comes out, there'll be a coin in it, pay your tax and mine. Did Jesus, did Jesus do this? Was he subject, even though he was over all of it? Remember he said, does the son of the ruler pay taxes? No. I'm going to pay taxes anyway. Oh, nothing except to love one another. For who loves his neighbors has fulfilled the law. You shall not commit adultery or murder. Or you, you, shall, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Did Jesus... We know Jesus... Steve just read it. Did Jesus teach this? Absolutely. Did he love one another? Did he, did he love people? Did he take care of them? Did he go through and... And uh, number one, he didn't sin. We know that. Not only did he not sin, but he went through and he showed love. Knowing this, that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us than we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Let's lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. I love this. Mm. <clears throat> Do you remember um, in John where um, Jesus is with the, the disciples in the upper room? They're giving, uh, you know, ha- having the last supper. And Judas... Um, he, he takes the morsel and dips it in and it says that the, the devil filled him and he, he left to go betray Jesus. And then it says, and it was night. And it was night. The darkest time. And of course we know that Jesus died on the cross just after that. And then when he rose again from the dead, the day broke. The light came back into the world. Amen. And from that point, we, we know that from the seed, right, grows a great big plant. A little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. The light started when Jesus rose. And it is extending over the whole world. The light, the, the night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. What, do you remember when Paul said, put on the whole armor of God? Do you know why it's called the armor of God? Have you all ever seen this? This is great. I, let me just, a couple of these. Uh, flip over to Isaiah 11. If you're in Isaiah 11, say, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Right. Isaiah 11, verse 5. Righteousness will be the belt about his loins. Faithfulness, the belt about his waist. Look over at Isaiah 59.
Isaiah 59:17. He put on 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 righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. And this is a description of God. You know, it's, it's the armor of God because that's what God looks like when he goes to war. And Paul says, put on the same stuff so that when the devil looks, he, you look just like God. The armor of light. And the light goes into the darkness. And the darkness can't overpower it. Ultimately, like I said, we, being in Christ, I've, I've preached this in here before, we are, we are in Jesus, and because we're in Jesus, we're seated on the throne with Him. Ephesians 2, verse 5 and 6. We have been given, we are a joint heir with Christ. Galatians 3, Galatians 4. We are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. In Romans it says that Abraham, uh, that he inherited the world. 1 Corinthians 3 says that, that we have been given all things. But in order to have the impact that we need to have, we've got to be like Jesus. We can be given all of that, but unless we prepare our hearts and prepare our lives, prepare our actions to be like Jesus. Then the impact that we have on our government, the impact that we have on people, the impact that we have on our city, our state, our, our towns, it's not going to be there. We have to be like Jesus. In order to reign with Him, we must be like Him. In order to reign with Him, we must be like Him. We see that Jesus, even though He was God incarnate, Lord of all, He still subjected Himself. He still paid the taxes. He loved one another. He gave and gave and gave and gave. He laid His life down for, for, for the world. became the light that entered into the world once again. And ultimately, because he was the righteous one, put on the armor of light and has impacted the world forever. So as we are looking around us, And I'll admit, it's dark. Mm-hmm. It's dark. Mm-hmm. And it can very well get darker. But it doesn't have to be dark in here. Praise God. It may be dark out there, but we have the light, we have the promises. And if we will be like Jesus, 
live as his example, we will also reign with him in this life. But you must live like him Amen. in order to live, in order to reign with him. Yes. You may have the position, you have that already, but he's not going to give you the power and the authority to use it if you can't trust us. Let's um, let's do this together. Let me um, as we're as we're praying, we close in prayer. One thing that um, I would like this is something the Lord's put on my heart that I just wanted. Um, I'm going to pray as we close with it, um, but with a bunch of the stuff that's going on in the government, you know, in the world right now. Something that the Lord's put on my heart for us to, to pray for is to pray that um, Christians don't get sucked into it. That um, there's a lot of there's a lot of lies that are out there right now, and um, as Christians, we need to not get sucked in. <clears throat> I'm not worried about you guys, but I want us to pray that Christians that. All Christians all over don't get sucked into the lies in the propaganda so that um, the church will have the impact that the church needs to have. Alright, so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Lord, you've given us an awesome responsibility in this day. Lord, you've given us a... Um, you put us in a, in a dark time and Lord, thank you for it. Lord, thank you that you've put us here now for a purpose. Thank you, Lord, that you have have um, put a light within us and you have trusted, enough, trusted us enough to put us here right now. Thank you that you uh, want to do something great in us and through us. Lord, thank you that you... Uh, that you want that, that you, you've not given up on, on your church here in, in Willimantic, you've not given up on your church in the state or in the country. Lord, that you have a remnant here that is, is powerful and that you are, um, you are relying on to, to, for your kingdom purposes. Lord, count us in. Count us in, Lord. Prepare our hearts. Prepare our lives that we might be that light in the darkness here. Lord, I pray that across this this whole country that... um, you will preserve your church and that you will uh, not let Christians, your true Bible-believing, Christ-honoring, submitted Christians, let them, let them not get sucked into the, into the propaganda and into the, um, uh, a lot of what is going on right now. 
Lord, I pray that they will hear from you, that they will be held fast to you and hold fast to your word. And Lord, let us all band together to be a light into this country right now. And Lord, specifically, I, I pray for our people. <clears throat> Lord, for those who um, are, are sick in any way, Lord, I, especially those who have been exposed to the virus, I speak healing, complete and total healing over them right now. Let your spirit touch them and heal their bodies. Mm-hmm. Every part. Let the virus be removed. Let it, and let it be um, any cells that have been affected by it. Let the cells be replaced with, with good and wholesome and right cells. Lord, I pray that you will immediately move on, on these bodies that are sick and make them well. Lord, I pray that you will uh, place your hand of protection upon those who have uh, been exposed to the virus and, and may or may not have uh, any symptoms. Lord, I pray you're, you'll, you'll place your hand of protection on them and they will be, uh, vi- that they will not um, have that in their bodies at all. And Lord, I pray a continual hedge of protection around each person uh, here and at home. Uh, anyone who is connected uh, to, this, to this church, that you will uh, protect them on every side. That the blood of the Lamb will cover them. That, the, uh, that your holy fire would be about them for complete and total protection. Lord, I know we, we have to go about our lives in some form or fashion. We have to go to the store. We have to go to work. We have to uh, interact with people. But Lord, we know that um, we are your ambassadors and we live uh, by the laws of your kingdom first. And so as your kingdom representative, I am, I am declaring over this uh, congregation, over this group of people, that they will be protected on every side and that nothing will be able to come near them to harm them. I declare Psalm 91 over them immediately to come. Oh Lord, give us the heart to be like you. Let us uh, let everyone see us. Instead of seeing us, see Jesus. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.